Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. On. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Neil Napier. Neil is the CEO and co-founder of Kybio. Kybio helps you turn your superpowers into profits without worrying about technical distractions. Quickly and easily create profitable membership websites, sales funnels, lead generation funnels, set up your email marketing, and much, much more. Neil, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, Morgan. I'm doing really well. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Can you walk us through your background and how it's led to what you're doing now over at Kaibio? Sure, absolutely. So I kind of got into, let's say, digital marketing by total accident. I mean, you know, a lot of people, when they do these podcasts, they talk about their rags to riches story, how they used to be in a really bad place, sleep in their cars, use yep. toilet paper for, for pillars. I didn't have any of that. I mean, I come from a decent middle class family. I never really had the need to start something of my own. Uh, my, you know, folks had always cultivated the idea of having a stable job in my head, they kind of still feel like I should. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, it was born more out of uh, accident and necessity. So it's quite interesting. Uh, I got hit by recession back in 2008, 2010, indirectly. So I was working, uh, I was developing software for banks. Uh, I was doing a lot of SQL-based coding for them. And when the recession hit in 2008, we didn't get hit immediately. So there was a bit of a ripple effect. And in 2010, I was in the UK and, uh, you know, I got called in. Uh, I was told that, hey, you know, we're making redundancies in our company uh, to stay afloat. And uh, your job is one of them. Now, I'd only been it for, in it for two years, but I knew then that, uh, you know, holding a job isn't quite as steady as they tell you. And right. um, that time I, I was living in England. I'm originally from India. So I was living in England and I needed, uh, they, they just changed the visa rules overnight as well. So I suddenly had to make £8,000 in about six months so I could mm. renew my visa and I could stay in the country. A friend of mine recommended I start doing freelancing. So I you know, started doing that, hoping I'd make the money. I didn't. I only made about half of it uh, and I had to leave the country. But then you know, by sheer accident, I, I realized there was this whole market out there of people selling information products. And I got into that. I started looking into that and I became a copywriter because I had the writing skills. And I, you know, honed my skills to become a copywriter. And then I realized, hey, I could actually be making more money. And, you know, that time I was uh, driven by money, but I could be making more money 
by actually creating my own products. So I started, you know, because I had a software background, I created a couple of simple software and uh, that morphed into doing combination of software and training products. And uh, eventually after like, I think four or five years of hard grind, we finally fixed uh, ourselves on Kaiview as the one thing that we'd be working on. So it's been quite a fun journey. I mean, I've learned a lot along the way. I've uh, definitely made a lot of mistakes. I've had a lot of good success um, stories as well. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy, really fortunate that I am where I am because, like I said, you know, asked me eight years ago and I would never have thought about being on this journey. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an interesting roadmap that you've uh, traveled. I'm really interested in one thing you mentioned about, you know, how you saw a market for specific information products and software. Can you kind of explain the opportunity you saw and, you know, how you filled that need in the market and what you kind of developed and how you brought it to that market to sell? Sure. So there are two kinds of products, I feel, information products that sell quite well. One is theoretical. So if you look at someone like John Loomer, who talks a lot about Facebook ads, a lot of what he uh, writes in, in his blog is, is more about showing you how to do something. It's like the how-to, and that's a really, really big market as well. Uh, the how-tos are good, but the problem is that it's, it's very competitive. Everyone can basically learn about a certain platform and they can write a how-to. So that's the easy sort of information product to create. And because the market is quite competitive, you can't always find gaps. So you have to find a unique angle. Back in 2012, the very first product I created, I showed people how to make more money with, by putting Google AdSense for search on your website instead of just putting those little AdSense widgets uh, you know, alongside the content. And I noticed myself that I was you know, testing this out and it made me three times more money for every click that I was generating. So that's more of a case study-led approach. I mean, that's the second approach where you do something, you validate the idea, you do it enough time so that you have a system, a process, and then you teach that to other people. So it's not just theoretical. I mean, even though you are imparting some theory, but it's grounded in results, it's grounded in... Uh, actual proof. And I think that kind of information products tends to sell well, where you lead by example, or you have your customer success stories. For example, one of the other big uh, information product launch we did, I said big, I mean, it was about $250,000. So it really scale depends. Uh, but we did this in 2015. And I partnered up with someone who was really doing amazingly well at YouTube ads. And he had just, he'd come off a month where he had spent uh, $50,000 in ads. And he created a course to show people how he was doing it. So that concept itself took off because we were leading in with results. So I think if you can prove how something works and you can systemize it, if you can teach that to people, uh, you're more likely to get uh, you know happy buyers than if you were just teaching theory because then you'd just be in a very competitive market. Yeah, absolutely. What are some ways that you got your products in front of people once you've kind of validated them, you've found those gaps, you've developed it. How did you get it into the hands of buyers? Uh, great question. So since the very beginning, I've been using the power of affiliates. So uh, the very first product I created, for example, it was a very simple 50-page PDF guide, uh, the AdSense thing I just talked about. And uh, we priced it at $17. And you know, I gave affiliates 75% commissions to promote it just because I was testing out a new thing. You know, it, was, uh, it wasn't it was that big. In the end, I ended up netting about $4,000. But, you know, that kind of became addictive, that I could test out my own ideas, I could systemize them, and I could sell it by affiliates. 
Now, we've been really good at recruiting and managing affiliates in our own ecosystem. What I haven't been really good at is then taking these products out to uh, mass market by using, say, Facebook ads or or even YouTube ads for that matter. So our core channel for traffic generation, sales generation is affiliates. We typically give between 40 to 50% commissions on any product they sell. It does you know, provide us a little bit of cushion in that we don't have to spend money upfront for that. But of course, I think in the long run, we tend to lose a little bit more because you pay affiliates much more than we would otherwise spend on advertising if you were getting, say, uh, two or three times their return on ad spend. Yeah, very interesting. That's a common theme that I've heard from people who have been successful in internet marketing is leveraging affiliates. So it's very interesting that you said that. When it comes to Kybio, what trends did you see in the marketplace to find kind of a niche for this product or, or what trends did you identify and how did you kind of map Kybio to those trends and take advantage of that gap in the market? It's a very, very good question. And something, you know, we did a couple of marketing hires just this week and they brought up the same question as well. Like why Kyvio? Why, what gaps did you see in the market? So initially the idea of uh, Kyvio came from someone else. We partnered up with a marketer who actually had a software development team and she had some really successful uh, products in past around building funnels, building membership sites, building, say, WordPress themes. And she wanted to bring them all together under one roof. So she combined everything, made a six-in-one platform with you know, capabilities of building funnels, membership sites, uh, email marketing, and so on and so forth. And we partnered up with her. Eventually, we bought her out. But you know, that time, Kaivio was called InstaSuite, but it was a very clear all-in-one kind of platform. It still is, but we are pivoting quite hard. So, you know, initially the gap that we saw in the market, the reason we decided to partner up with her was that we realized that the support headache of dealing with six different companies can be quite bad or paying, you know, X amount of dollars a month for various different things that you use in your business can get quite expensive. So, hey, come use Skyview. And this is an all-in-one platform. And for quite some time, we were one of a kind till, you know, Kartra uh, came to be. And Kartra is a pretty good tool as well. The thing is, for us, I realize the all-in-one positioning isn't really working anymore. So, you know, you talk about gaps. We've come to realize that this is not kind of how we want to be branded. So we are pivoting. I mean, uh, we are now moving more in terms of customer journeys. We're moving more in terms of actually helping buyers, potential buyers, see what they should be seeing. So Kyview actually stands for Know Your Visitor Inside Out. And that's been a long-term vision. Yeah, that's been a long-term vision to basically model a buyer journey, a customer journey based on their behavior, their expectations, and their performance. So our long-term goal, and I mean like really five to seven-year goal at this stage, is to essentially get enough data points on someone who lands on a page, you know, all legally and ethically, of course, so that we can say automatically change the website based on what they expect to see. Or if we know from the past behavior that let's say they convert better on a page that has yellow buy buttons, you know, automatically change the buy buttons on that page to yellow. So, you know, we specifically think, so you talk about gaps and I'm going, um, I'm, I'm talking a bit much, but you know, no, no, I, think, <laughs> I think with the kind of uh, invention of uh, artificial intelligence, big data and whatnot, static websites have to die. Static websites or even funnels have to go away. 
to me, it's all about the dynamic nature of a customer journey that you can create based on all the information that you have on them. And that's what we're trying to build. I mean, you know, ambitiously, we talk about this internally with our CTO, that when we have, let's say, a billion data points every month on all our users, that's going to be the stage when we can really create uh, an artificial intelligence system that morphs itself based on, um, you know, three pillars that I talked about. Yeah. And I think you're spot on in terms of, you know, recognizing that all-in-one isn't as powerful of a selling proposition as it used to be. Um, There's a number of platforms on the market that have been kind of shifting or moving towards, you know, all-in-one. I'm sure, you know, some of your competitors, you've you've Mm -hmm. definitely seen that. Absolutely. Can you give a, a scenario of kind of what those steps are moving from or pivoting from where you were with the all-in-one mm-hmm. platform to where you want to be? Like, how did you identify that weakness in the selling proposition and, and kind of how do you see building upon that? It's a very good question. So, you know, we wanted to look at our data points inside the system. So what modules get used the most, what features get used the most. And we realized that less than altogether less than 5% of the people were actually using three or four, six modules. You know, they, like, for example, we have an affiliate center, blog um, builder and uh, support center. And uh, less than 5% of our customers were using that. As much as I want to be able to give everyone everything, you know, if they're not actually finding real business use for it, we just want to kind of cut it off. And uh, at least for now, I mean, eventually we want to bring back Affiliate Center. But again, remember, we kind of took this uh, software, we almost acquired it from someone else. So we weren't completely on board with everything that was in it to begin with. And, you know, based on actual concrete data, we're realizing that at least for now, we have to get rid of these three modules and potentially bring back the Affiliate Center once we are good and ready, because, you know, that's something uh, sellers can absolutely use. Now, In terms of um, how this change will be like, well, one of the new things that we're bringing in, new modules that we're bringing in is called Smart Journeys, uh, which is kind of, let's say, a V1 of this big vision we have. So I talk about dynamic funnels, dynamic websites. Our V1 for that is giving people that opportunity to create that pseudo-dynamicness by just deciding on various parameters. So uh, essentially, because we will have a lot of data on a potential buyer, you know, people can choose to automatically move them around based on their behavior. So have they opened an email? Have they watched a video inside a course? Have they been uh, on a particular page that you own? So Active Campaign kind of does it, but they do it more as an email marketing tool. And then you have to put your pixels inside your pages. But since mm-hmm. we will be able to control the entire ecosystem, we'll be able to kind of build that journey for you automatically instead of asking you to uh, manually do things. So a lot of it, I mean, like I said, the V1 version would involve us to educate people as well, because we've realized that this concept is maybe a little bit too early for a lot of new users. A lot of new users mm. just want to come in and build a funnel. So we do recognize the fact that journeys are a little bit difficult for the new users to understand. So it will require on our part a lot of education so we can explain the benefits of doing this and provide a simple mechanism of doing so as well. So it's not just about building a platform, but we do spend a lot of time educating our audience, our customers into why they need it and how they need to execute it for best results. Interesting. Are there any other key insights you've gained on 
the maybe the, the Kybeo customers buyer journey or different buyers journeys you've seen from some of your users and how they're using your software? Just one interesting fact here, I mean, before I talk about the uh, use cases, but we recently analyzed a lot of data on our end as to when someone comes in on a trial, what do they do, you know, before they churn or before they activate the first month, you know, before they activate the first payment. And we realized, and this is quite kind of interesting, that if they create two pages inside Kyvio, inside the smartphones module within the first two days, they're going to stick. They're more likely to stick. Interesting. But if they don't do that, I mean, if they don't do this in the first two days, they're not very likely to log in for the next 12 days of the trial. So, you know, they might log in, but they don't do enough. Again, they don't kind of come back and use the platform. So based on that, I mean, we've kind of refocused that energy to do our onboarding series, which is more focused on getting people to get active like ASAP, even to the point that, you know, we'll kind of just jump on a call with them immediately and create the first two pages with them, just so that it kind of gets them over that hurdle. So that's something that we've recognized by tracking a lot of data points internally. But for our own buyer journey, we've realized that the follow-up is really important after sale, even for low-ticket customers. And by low-ticket, I mean $50 a month. So we spend a lot of our energy and focus on bringing people into a Facebook group, uh, kind of uh, edutaining them, so educating and entertaining them. Uh, we gamify, we, we do a challenge. So for the first 45 days or so, we give them like nine things that they have to do. And whoever gets their first, you know, in any given quarter, gets some prize money, gets some extra uh, capacities in their account as well. And that creates a very healthy way for people to compete and uh, also just try and, you know, get used to the system. So for us, we found as a buyer journey, it's not just about selling people to the next thing, but actually getting them to activate and use the software as quickly as possible and also then engaging them so that they continue to use it, they continue to check back in uh, with other people as well. Awesome. So getting them to use the software as quick as possible ideally within those first two days. And and then, you know, once they've done that or maybe simultaneously trying to get them into the Facebook group so that they can, their use and their value they get out of the product can be propelled by that community that's present within your Facebook group. Absolutely. I mean, in our community, people share what they're doing and, you know, they get feedback from each other. So it just creates a very healthy uh, ecosystem where people can, you know, not feel judged about what they're doing. And that's important as well. Yeah. And I, I assume that fostering that community, nurturing that community has led to increased sales from just word of mouth and people talking about the product, raving about the product, correct? It has. So we calculate our NPS score as well, Net Promoter Score. And we found that, I mean, funnily enough, people who are inside a Facebook group tend to score better in NPS. So we get a better score from them than people who are not in the Facebook group. So yeah, it makes a difference. Definitely. Now I know this this kind of how you position the product that's not necessarily geared towards a larger B2B company per se, but have you seen customers get B2B uses out of it or have you seen it used within any sort of business to business context? It's a good question. So a lot of customers, uh, majority of the customers who come into our platform uh, sell to a wider audience. So some might sell coaching on, um, let's say, digital marketing. Some might sell a book on how to you know, speak good English sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It really depends. But there are a few customers who are using, for example, our platform to 
deliver you know services to local businesses or at least sign up local businesses so for example one of our newer customers delivers seo services to local businesses and and, and they're using our platform to build landing pages and uh, you know when a customer signs up they also deliver them into a members area where the customer can also kind of self teach a few things uh you know if they get stuck so that they don't have to pay this uh, agency owner all the time for little bit of help. So I think as an education portal, it's helping a lot. Someone I was talking to recently said, uh, asked me that they're looking to, you know, they're bringing a lot of salespeople on and they're looking to have uh, some sort of uh, training area for them so they can come in and learn uh, new things about the company. And they asked us if we do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a perfect use case for us as well. So yeah, I think people are finding unique ways of using our platform in ways we didn't actually imagine to begin with. And I think that's uh, serving them well. Cool. Very cool. I know affiliates have been the main driver in terms of promoting the product. Have you been exploring or considering or what other channels have you considered exploring and to get Kybio in front of uh, new users? Sure. I mean, the most obvious one, of course, is Facebook ads. But truth be told, uh, I, I can't share what our LTV is at the moment, but, you know, on the trials, but I don't feel quite comfortable just selling, I mean, we do some retargeting ads, but I don't feel comfortable targeting cold audience with Facebook ads right now. So we are taking a slightly different approach to it. I mean, I, you know, I love to do webinars. There was a time uh, when I did like six webinars in a day. It's crazy busy. But um, (laughs) yeah, that's something I know I can do well. So we are now looking to create a really good offer that we can try and take to a wider market. I, I wouldn't say mass market, but still a wider market. So our goal would be something like this. So we sell, you know, we, we basically run ads to get people into an auto webinar where they can come and watch a training at their own convenience. You know, they get offered something for $997. If they buy, awesome. They get put into onboarding sequence. If they don't buy, they get put into the next sequence where we offer them a lower ticket package. If they don't buy that either, then we switch back to trial and then, you know, just offer them the trial and get them slowly into the platform. So for us as well, I mean, that's again, part of like the customer journey. If they don't do one thing, what's the next thing we can do with them? And uh, mm-hmm. that's something we're looking to do uh, with Facebook ads. And, you know, once it's kind of proven, once there's some a considerable return on ad spend, we'll also then look to use YouTube ads as well, along with creating content for our YouTube channel. All right. Very cool. With Kyvio, your information products, other software you developed, you know, spanning your whole career. Are there any mistakes that you made? Like if you could go back, <laughs> things that you would do differently if you could? Oh, yeah, many. So um, let's put it like this. You know, when you get that initial buzz of seeing results, and I'm not just even talking about making money, but just seeing the numbers on the screen, it feels really good. So you get kind of addicted to that idea and you end up doing whatever it takes to get the next hit. And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think for for a long time, we've been very unfocused. For a long time, we would do, you know, products in multiple different niches. So for example, some for social media, some for video marketing, some for funnel building, some for email marketing and so on. And uh, in that sense, we've been very uh, much all over the place. But um, I think that's something that we've realized over the last, um, you know, couple of years or so is that if you really want to do this right, we need to be focused. We need to take our audience through, again, a journey. And, uh, you know, if they need video products, for example, 
we can't really help them because that's not our niche. That's not our focus. If they need to learn about SEO, not our thing. But yes, if you want to learn about funnels, creating products, sending emails, that's something we can absolutely help you with. So simplifying our message and making it consistent, making it about, you know, I say one thing with brackets, but let's say three things in this case has been the best thing we've done. So now when something new comes across our table, we literally sit down and think about if you do this, can we say potentially upsell people into Kaivio? If we can't, if there's no clear connection, we don't touch that project. We don't take it on. If I'm thinking about creating a new information product, I think about would it help Kaivio users build a better business or would it help me, you know, helping other people then bring them into Kaivio? If it won't, I, I don't touch it anymore. So that's been really good thing for us. And, you know, it's taken some time and perseverance to be able to say no to projects, but that's something I think that we're, you know, really getting good with as well. Gotcha. So making sure that everything you take on in some way connects to that main Kaibio ecosystem. Exactly. I think someone else uh, jokingly said it that all roads should lead to Kaibio. And that's it. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. I like that. Very cool. Is there anything else with Kaibio in regards to, you know, your plans for the future, your roadmap that you haven't shared so far that you're excited about or, or very interested in? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll say this outright because now that I've uh, made my peace with it, I think I'm happy to talk about it publicly, but I'm not the best marketer. I'm good at selling. If you get me on a webinar, I'm good at selling. If you get me in a one-to-one conversation with people, not aggressive, but just good. But my approach is more education-based. And I think to me, that's the future. To me, if you're not educating your customers, not just about how to use the tool, but how to you know, apply the tool, how to use it, Uh, specifically in your business in a certain way, I think you are going to lose customers. For example, I mean, credit words do, ClickFunnels do that quite well as well. Although, you know, they tend to sell the training stuff all the time. We're trying to make it more part of owning Kaivio anyway, but they do it well in that everything they do, they talk about how ClickFunnels fits in. So I think that's a really good way to re-motivate your customers because, you know, it's like going to a Tony Robbins uh, transformation event. You go there, you feel excited for the next few days, and then the buzz eventually dies down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you kind of need that another hit three months later to continue feeling motivated. So we are trying to focus more on education. I personally focus a lot on education so that we show our customers not just how to use Skyview, but let's say how to build a specific kind of business. Let's say if you want to build a summit business or if you wanted to build a coaching business and how does Skyview fit into that? So what this helps us do is it also helps us bring in a wider audience who just wants to build a coaching business. And when they see, oh yeah, I could actually use Skyview for that, they kind of, uh, you know, organically buy into that as well. So that's something, you know, I I really like the approach of education-based sellings as well as uh, education-based retention. And that's something I'm actively trying to do in our company. Right. I, I like that. I like that a lot. Making sure that, you know, you're putting your focus on educating the customer and truly helping them. Because, you know, as we know, power in the buying process is shifting more and more towards, you know, the buyer every day. And they're doing lots of more research and becoming more sophisticated. But as you create valuable content within that content creation, you're showing Kaibio as the logical solution to help them reach their goals. Exactly. Awesome. Last question here. I want to know 
What advice would you give to someone who is interested in using Kybeo? They're interested in some of the use cases they've seen on the web, but they're just kind of starting at square one in regards to how can I find a niche market? How can I educate prospects and customers the right way? And how can I then, you know, build out from there? Do you have any kind of like, you know, at a high level advice in that regard? Yeah. So if you are just starting out, uh, I mean, as horrible as that sounds, forget about what you're passionate about. I mean, eventually you can go back to that. I would say the very first thing you should do if you're starting out is find the low hanging fruit, find the gap in the market that's just clear as daylight and you can somehow fill it by putting your own unique twist to it, if not some new concept. And, uh, you know, try and prove that, try and make sure that you can sell first. So I always talk about selling first, creating later, especially with information products. So make sure that you can actually sell your idea. You can collect money for that and then create it. Because honestly, if you can't even sell your idea, it's unlikely that you'll be able to sell your product well once it's finished. Awesome. I love that advice. Many people have wasted a lot of time building products that no one wants, but that you know they're passionate about, but just don't have that commercial potential. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Neil, it's been so great learning about you know your career and Kaibio. How can people get in touch with you if they want more information on some of your past work? Uh, want to get started with Kaibio? What's the best way to reach you? Sure. So I'm pretty much accessible on Facebook. Just search for Neil Napier. You can reach out to me via that or drop in an email at neil at kaivio.com. And our team will pick it up. And, you know, based on the message, they'll pass it to me, Uh, especially if you're looking for some kind of, let's say, business advice. I'm happy to help. Uh, Just like I said, drop an email and it'll come and find its way to me. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Neil. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the show and you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.